Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yeah, we roll along, Greeny, with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. As always, on these Mondays, we'll have time for your calls, your hot takes in about a half hour here. Uh, and I'm going to run through several of the games yesterday. But I want to start by just saying one quick thing that I think all sports fans will appreciate. If you're listening to this show, it means that sports are disproportionately important to you, as they are to me. And I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. The world would be a lot better place if everyone was obsessed, as obsessed with sports as we are. Having said that, a really nice moment. So when the Jets win yesterday, Stace now has taken to when they win, like videotaping me surreptitiously because she knows that people like that. And she posts a bunch of fun stuff up there on her Twitter. You know, everyone makes fun, but it's fun. I like it and it is what it is. So it's up there yesterday at Stacy GSG on Twitter. You will see me and Stevie, my son, FaceTiming uh, when the Jets win the game yesterday. So just very quickly, and I think all, again, all sports fans will appreciate this. When I went off to college, and then even more so, when I lived for seven more years in Chicago, most of the time, the overwhelming majority of the time, I wasn't with my father when the Jet games were going on. And part of that time, I actually traveled with the Bears, so I wasn't able to do this. I wasn't even able to watch the games. But more times than I can count, I'd be sitting next to a phone, and my father would be sitting next to a phone. This was not an accident. This was before there were cell phones. And I would call him, like, after every big play, any big play in a game, I would call him. We'd talk for, like, 10 seconds, and then we would go back to our day. So I'm delighted to tell you that Stephen and I do that now. He grew up watching games with me. He lives and dies with this stuff, with the Jets, in exactly the same way I do. But the funny part of it is I can't call him because he is watching the game on his computer, and it is always behind. So I'm watching the game on TV. I'm seeing things, and what I figured out pretty early, or we figured out, more more to the point he figured out, is I'm calling him before he sees the things happen. So we have a rule now that he's got to call me. Like, And anything really big happens in the game, you go three, two, one. No, not even that, because it, 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 he's usually like, sometimes I think he may be like two plays wow. behind. Because he'll be sending me texts like, was that a touchdown? Like on the, on the play when they're reviewing it, he'll be like, Dad, I think that's a touchdown is the text. And I'm, it, it's all I can do not to call him back and say, it's a touchdown for crying out loud, we're going to win. Because I'm waiting. And so when you see on the Instagram yesterday or on the Twitter, well, I think it's on both, what you see is he and I talking and celebrating. And I say, I actually, it's so funny. I'm so neurotic. I say, we have to make the extra point now. <laughs> um, that actually is happening like a good, like 15, 20 seconds after this is all taken place because he's seeing it later. But anyway, that's what sports is, right? Like, that's what this is about. It's not about, you know, all the money and all the baloney that happens and all this stuff. No, it's about like, there's two of us that love each other and care so much about this stuff that we are literally FaceTiming each other 15 to 20 times over the course of three hours while my 19-year-old son is off in college. I don't think I hear from him the rest of the week at all. He doesn't respond, by the way, you never respond to my texts otherwise, Stephen. (laughs) He never gets back to me, but it's all made up for during those three hours. So anyway, I just felt like saying that because I thought people would appreciate it, that that, that's... That's what sports is about. When we say long live sports, that's what we mean. That, that's, that is a college kid that wants to talk to his father regularly on a Sunday 
Um, so it's good stuff. Anyway, let me run through some of the most interesting sound bites from the weekend. Oh, we'll start with that game quickly because this was my favorite play maybe ever. Zach Wilson takes the shotgun snap. Jet sweep. It's a reverse. It'll be a throw from Barrios to Zach Wilson for the touchdown. Razzle dazzle from the Jets. A reverse option pass. Barrios to Wilson. A jet touchdown. You know what's great about that call? Bob Wischusen does the Jet games and um, on the radio on ESPN Radio New York. And um, throughout the network, he's extraordinarily good. Everyone across America, I think you know him because he does college games for us on TV. And he's he's very good. But listen to his voice build as he realizes what's happening. Like, like I'm going to play that again. What is it? Whatever it is, 15 seconds. But listen closely. You'll hear the moment he realizes, wait a minute. This is not just a normal. Listen to how his voice tells the story. Zach Wilson takes the shotgun snap. Jet sweep. It's a reverse. It'll be a throw from Barrios to Zach Wilson for the touchdown. You can hear it, right? You actually can hear the build in his voice. That's an outstanding call, outstanding play. We've talked a lot about them. The opposite end of the spectrum is Bears-Giants. And I know you're going to disagree with me, so we can get into this a little bit. Giants and Bears in the battle of teams that nobody believes in. Well, the Giants were the win, and it was a statement win. The final score is not indicative, I think, of how one-sided this game was, and that is because the Giants can at least do one thing well. The Giants can run the ball really, really well. Saquon Barkley is leading the league in rushing. The, the Bears are afraid to do anything offensively. They don't try, maybe because they can't. How much of this is about the quarterback? His name is Justin Field. Do you think the pass game took a step today, even if it wasn't as big of a step as you would have wanted? I think it did. Um, you know, of course, there's always room to improve, but I, I, I definitely think it did. I mean, okay. I, I guess that's a reasonable thing for him to say because, you know, it's not helping anybody if he's going to get up there and say the opposite. But, I mean, by far the best throw that he had on the day was the one backwards on the final play where they had, like, 40 seconds of lateraling it around. And you saw, like, look at the zip he has on that ball. Like, he, what is completely lost in all of this is that Justin Fields was the number one prospect in high school coming out the year he came out ahead of Trevor Lawrence. He and Lawrence were neck and neck as the best quarterbacks in college. He's got a cannon for an arm. He runs like a 4-3-something 40. He's ridiculously talented, and they have reduced him to someone that is painful to watch. And that is, in my opinion, because they have surrounded him with nothingness. So at minimum, I would say, I know you're going to give me numbers that are going to counteract this, but here's, here's what I will posit. I don't know if he's part of the problem or not, but no one could succeed in the circumstances he's in. You could put Johnny Unitas as the quarterback of that team, and it would not look markedly better than it looks. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll meet you halfway. I am willing to acknowledge that the weaponry around Justin Field is as bad as any quarterback has in the league. Mm -hmm. What I am not willing to acknowledge is that Justin Field is playing behind this god-awful offensive line. Because that is just untrue. It is true that Justin Fields has a higher sack rate than, than David Carr did the year he broke the sack record. It is also true that he sees the highest rate of pressure in the league by a mile, but he's doing that behind the league's 10th-ranked offensive line. 10th! The Bears have the 10th-ranked offensive line according to our pass-block win rate. And what that means is the reason he's not protected is because Justin Fields can't protect himself. All of that pre-draft stuff that we heard about his indecision, his processing, right? 
That is manifesting in real time because our numbers say he's actually playing behind a decent offensive line and it doesn't look that way. What do our numbers say about anyone being open? Our numbers say that his team's target separation, meaning when when the ball is thrown, the, the distance between the receiver, the intended receiver, and the nearest defender is the fifth highest in the NFL, 3.8 yards on average. His guys are open and is being protected much better than it might appear. But is that because when he's throwing the ball to someone, it is always a check down that is not covered? I mean, what we're talking about is the play is not designed for him to look downfield, see nobody open, and then dump it down to the back. In theory, a play is designed for Darnell Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown, and whoever else they have playing <laughs> wide receiver that day to have run around and been open, and that person isn't. See, I understand what you're saying, and you're not wrong. Those numbers are never wrong. The, the, the analytics are never wrong, but sometimes they don't tell you the actual story. The story is he has no one to throw the football to. I watched them play in the preseason, and I thought, boy, this tight end Cole Komet might be pretty good. Cole Komet, does he weigh 300 pounds? <laughs> He's enormous. Like, they, they, have, they have no one. They have two good players on their offense. They have Montgomery, who's hurt, and they have Khalil Herbert. And I, don't, I mean, Darnell Mooney, he's like the third or fourth best receiver on a good team. He's, he's like, he should be an accent piece. He's like, they're trying to make him into Jerry Rice. Because they got no one else to throw the ball to. So are, are there numbers that counteract what I'm saying right now? Because then I'm not seeing what I think I'm seeing. Look, I am more than willing to acknowledge he has no one to throw the ball to. But what I'm saying is that when Justin Fields drops back to pass and you see the defensive line swarm him, more often than not, it's his fault. That's all that I'm saying. And that obviously affects the whole offense. And this is the second coaching staff in two years that does, that does not trust him. And maybe that's not a coincidence. Now, so, Nuno, let, let me get your take on this because you're a person watching that game yesterday because you root for the other team. So you watch every snap. And because you work here, you, you, you have to watch every game every week. You haven't watched every snap of a Fields game. So you're getting your real taste of it yesterday. What did you see yesterday? I feel like while you can't judge him completely off of what he's working with, if you're the organization, and I know I've gotten killed for before for saying this, but if you're the organization, you can't go through this year and then be like, well, let's add more weapons and then see what we have from him. Like you might unfortunately have to move off of him this at the end of this year if you're not a you know a hundred percent certain with with what you're seeing because there is I don't know it's like the best his best plays were obviously when he decided to take off and run but like it felt like something bad was always going to happen when he stepped back and you know and looked to make a pass like I so I just like at the end of the day both him the Giants and the Bears might be looking for new quarterbacks well the Giants certainly and and I mean you know again Daniel Jones uh, I, I think the things he does well for them are things you could find a lot of people to do. They need, I agree, they're going to upgrade that position, and I don't know what he was destined to be, but it isn't going to happen for him, certainly not there. I will continue to say, I'm not, you know what, book, no, no, call up Tommy Waddle or one of the guys from Chicago, and let's get them on this week, and, and let's find out what this is, because I want to give an accurate picture to the national audience. Like I think the national perspective on this is that the Bears have failed fields. This is not his fault. No one could succeed. That happens to be my perspective, too. 
I'm closer to the situation than most. I watch them. I have a lot of history there. But I'm not watching snap in, snap out. Hembo's giving us numbers that tell a different story. I want to hear from people who know the sport inside and out who are there. So get me Tommy or one of those guys later this week. We'll talk to them about it. In the meantime, we'll continue in a moment here. I got some other notes to go through here. We will also get your calls in a little bit later in the hour, and we'll do Nuno's notes. You know, the free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone with AutoZone. We're back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. We are live, as always, at the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. This is the music of The Killers. And I was just watching a video a little earlier. I guess they were at the Garden, and Bruce Springsteen came out, and they did the song Born to Run, which even Hembo knows. And I must tell you, I like The Killers. Um... I like their music, and we met them once on the Letterman show, and they were very cool. But anyway, the point of it is, 
seeing how excited they were about Bruce Springsteen coming out and, and doing that song with them was like genuinely awesome. No one is giving me anything to tell you this, but if you find that and it can't be that hard to find because I did, um, then it's very much worth watching. In the meantime, I have a couple of the sound bites I wanted to get to here. We started, we gave you the Jets, we gave you Justin Fields. Let me get to Jerry Jones feeling pretty good about his quarterback whose name is Cooper Rush. I just can't say enough about how his play uh, has uh, what it possibly has done for this team this season and to give us a chance to sit here after these last three ball games and uh, maybe have the opportunity we've got uh, for the rest of the year. It's amazing and uh, uh, it's, it's far more than I could have ever expected. So let me say this. So it was Jerry who began all this by saying, wouldn't it be fun if we turn this into a quarterback controversy? And now I actually see a path to where there may be one. Having said that, let me give you the likelier thing that could go on. And I'm going to try and cheer up my dear friend Bubba. I have known Brendan Bubba Pegren for a very long time now. He had a very bad weekend, all things considered, because he is a fan of the New York Metropolitans who this weekend put the finishing touches on one of the really terrible collapses in baseball history as they were swept in Atlanta. So I'm going to cheer you up. You know what I think is a lot likelier than the Cowboys having a quarterback controversy? The Cowboys being an elite team in the NFC. I think that they have figured some things out. And I'm just going to start naming things, and you tell me whether or not they have them. Can they run the ball? They can. Do they have playmakers on the outside? They do. Do they have an elite quarterback? They do. Do they have the best defense? Let me rephrase that. Do they have a top five defense in the NFL? No question. So what is it about those things that makes everyone so hesitant to say the Cowboys have a chance to be great I feel like we're sitting here talking about how they're kind of white-knuckling it and hanging on because Cooper Rush, and I get it. You go 3-0 and with your backup quarterback, that's a sign of a lot of things. Usually not how good your backup quarterback is. Can I ask one question? Go. Do they have a great head coach? Here's the other... Okay, here's what I'll tell you. On what other team could they go 3-0 and having lost their star quarterback and we would give no credit to the coach? Because let me ask you this. If they were 0-3 in these games, would we be firing him? Oh, yeah, for sure. We would be firing Mike McCarthy today. So do they have an elite coach? I think they do have an elite coach, and his name is Dan Quinn. What he has done with that defense is nothing short of incredible. I know they've added pieces. But let's face it, two years ago, that defense was horrific. Give me the numbers on two seasons ago. Stand by. The Dallas Cowboys, the year before last, their defense was unimaginably bad. Where did they rank in defense two seasons ago? Not last year, but the year before. They ranked 28th. 28th. And how many teams are there? There are 32. So that's pretty bad. Now, they may be the best defense in the sport. Now, I understand. Micah Parsons is all kinds of special. And uh, they also added this to Trayvon Diggs is terrific. And quite a few other players as well. But... They're, they're, they've now gone from that defense being a significant liability to being their biggest strength. I think you've got to give credit for that to the coaching. Is there any chance in your mind, or what kind of chance is there in your mind, that the two best teams in the NFC both play in the NFC East? I don't think it's impossible. We'll see the Rams tonight, 
I, I don't know exactly what I think they are yet. I don't know if anyone does, but they're defending Super Bowl champs. So it's impossible to discount them, that's for sure. San Francisco, that was a step back last week. I still think in the short term they have a better chance of being good this year with Garoppolo than they did with Lance. The Packers are coming, and you can start to see it. Like that little end around when they gave the ball to Christian Watson, I know anyone could have taken that handoff and run into the end zone. It was well blocked, but you see the athleticism. Romeo Dobbs, the other rookie receiver, you see he's starting to develop something. Uh, with the quarterback, Alan Lazard, the defense, the two running backs. I still think the Packers are going to be heard from. The 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 Buccaneers are going to be heard from. The, the, their defense, I don't know, they got shredded last night in inexplicable fashion. The Vikings, <laughs> I think the Eagles, let's put it this way. If you start making a list of teams I could see coming out of the NFC and going to the Super Bowl this year, the Eagles are obviously at the top of it. I think the Cowboys are on it. We do this thing for college football. We have this stat called strength of record, which demonstrates how sort of how um, impressive your record is given what the average team would do against it. Right. The Eagles are 4-0, and the Cowboys have three wins with a backup quarterback. Which teams in the NFC has a better strength of record than those two. I mean, they're having dream seasons. If you told any Cowboys fan they'd be 3-1 and one right now, after they lost to Tampa, they would have had you institutionalized. Right. I'm with that. I, I, think, I, I don't want to start getting into a debate over that. I mean, the Dolphins, 3-1, uh, you know, and one, I think, would also look pretty good in all this because the game they lost, they mm-hmm. lost their quarterback sure. early on, um, and they've beaten otherwise, we think, good teams. But let's not get sidetracked by that. The point you make is a good one. I said it earlier this morning. The NFC East was like a laughingstock in the sport. I think right now it's the best division in the NFL because the Eagles are unbeaten. The Cowboys, to your point, are outstanding. They're 3-1 and one with a backup quarterback. The Giants, while no one believes in them, are 3-1. and one. And if you took the worst team in every division and just had a playoff amongst them, mm-hmm. Washington would fare pretty well. The- I have no <laughs> idea what they'd be, but they wouldn't be the worst team, that's for sure. The NFC East has played 10 <coughs> games outside the division, so 10 non-division games. The NFC East is 8-2 and two in those games. The only games they've lost were Week 1 when Tampa beat Dallas and then when Detroit beat Washington. Washington nearly came back. They're 8-2 and two out, of conference, uh, excuse me, out of division through the first four weeks of the season. That's wild. It's a good point. And look, I mean, they're, they're, the Lions are another sad story. Like, these games, they lose every day. They're playing yesterday without Amon Ross St. Brown. They're playing without Shark. They're playing without uh, the running back just jumped out of my head. Uh, Swift. And they still score 100 points and lose. Dan Orlovsky said it well. If the Lions had a bad defense, they'd be unbeaten right now. (laughs) If their defense was merely bad, they would be unbeatable. That's how good their offense is, and that's how bad their defense is. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Greeny, we roll along here on ESPN Radio. I'll be taking your calls in just a couple of quick minutes uh, as we roll along here. But I've got a couple of Nuno's notes that I want to share. One of the things Nuno wrote to me, again, Nuno's notes are he just likes to write notes in the, in the Google Doc, um, just offer his opinion because he's an opinionated little fellow. Uh, from the London game, which I will confess I had stuff I had to do yesterday morning, I didn't see much of it. But from the London game, which, of course, the Vikings won on the double doink at the very end, he writes, Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL. If he had another quarterback throwing to him, we would actually be talking about him every week. Is that right? Is he the best receiver in the NFL? He is the best receiver, or at least the most talented receiver in the NFL. And I'm willing to bet you that this is his last year playing on the Vikings because I think he's going to force his way out. I mean, there's a lot of scuttle there that both he— well. I'm not sure Kirk Cousins dislikes him, but there's strong reason to believe that Justin Jefferson does not favor his quarterback. And if you're that good in this day and age and you're that empowered, you can force your way out. I think this is going to be Justin Jefferson's last year in Minnesota. Yeah, Is he better than Devontae Adams? I think he's better than, than Devontae Adams, yeah. When mm-hmm. I watched the Raiders, they have just not gotten him unleashed. And, and Devontae Adams was face-to-face, head-to-head with yeah. Patrick Sertan yesterday of Denver, and that was a great battle. RC did a good job of spotlighting that on Get Up this morning. Sertan is awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's special. But, like, I just look at Devontae Adams, and I just I can't believe ever, anyone ever stops him. He's got that, like, Darth Vader mask on all the time. Like, he's the scariest-looking dude in the entire NFL. They should throw to him on every play. You'd think so, but I really, really think. I mean, he's still a top-10 player for sure at the position, but he benefited a lot from playing with Aaron Rodgers, as anyone would have. As anyone would have. That's right. But one of the things Rodgers did was just throw to him on every play. It's true. Why doesn't Carr throw to him on every play? Well, the Packers didn't have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Well, they didn't have Hunter Renfro anyway yesterday. He was hurt. And Darren Waller is good. But just throw to him on every play. <laughs> just that's not that complicated. Throw it him on every play. And then he writes about in the Bills Ravens. The Ravens have suffered two horrible losses this year. The type of losses that get coaches fired, even a Harbaugh. I don't see that happening no. at all. Not only that, I think, look, the first game was embarrassing. The, the, the lead they gave up against Miami was a joke. Yesterday, I think he did the right thing. In fact, we're going to get the rest of the country joining us here. We should talk about the decision he made to go for the touchdown at the end of that game. The Ravens have blown two 17-point leads this season. They've lost two such games. The rest of the NFL has combined to lose one. One. That's how bad they've been. Like, what was that game? Do you remember? That was, what was when the, other one? the Raiders blew it against Arizona. Okay, yeah, and, and at the very end. Mm-hmm. All right, we continue here. Your call's coming up. We pause 15 seconds on ESPN Radio. I want to bring up one quick thing. For anyone who watched yesterday, the end of Buffalo-Baltimore, which is a fascinating and I think in the big picture very important game between two good teams in the AFC. The Ravens have a fourth and goal from the two. Tie game, final minutes, and John Harbaugh elects to go for the touchdown rather than kick the chip shot field goal. They have the best kicker in the game, but you don't need the best kicker in the game to kick it from there. They go for the, they go for the touchdown. The analytics say 
that by a very slim margin, that was the right thing to do, meaning if they played that game a thousand times, if the average team went for it in that circumstance, they would win slightly more often than if they kicked the field goal. But I'm not a big believer in how that the analytics impact that because, A, the margin is so slim that when you then factor in exactly how the game is going, the fact that they had given up the lead that they had given up, the fact that they hadn't scored in the second half and all that kind of stuff, that to me is not the right explanation for why it was the right thing to do. That said, I still think it was the right thing to do. It was just the perfect storm of going wrong, which is to say the one thing you, you don't factor in when you make that decision is we will get intercepted in the end zone and the ball will come out on a touchback. That's a huge piece of this. They didn't just not score a touchdown. Part of the thinking and part of the reason that it's the right thing to do is if you score there, excuse me, if you don't score there, you're going to leave them on the two-yard line. Mm. And that is going to factor into how the Bills are going to call plays. It's going to factor into a lot of other things. Jordan Poyer intercepts the ball. So that totally skews it. If you had told Harbaugh, your option is either kick a field goal or give them the ball on the 20, that, I think, would be an entirely different decision. But the one thing you don't take into account is that the absolute worst possible scenario might take place. And that is where everything goes sideways. If Allen gets the ball on the two, they have to be careful. They have to call it differently. They would call plays differently. The Bills might have been more inclined to consider playing for overtime in that situation. I'm not saying they would. But they would have to be very careful getting out from their own end zone because you could lose the game sitting right there with your offense. So to me, that is a huge factor in this, and I don't know how the analytics take that into account. It boils every possible scenario. The chance was 74%. Going for it, you had a 74% chance to win. Kicking it, you had a 70% chance to win. Like you said, probably only a tiebreaker. And in that moment, if you want to feel the game out, there are two other factors to consider. You have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback with whom you're 75% on fourth and two were shorter, and your defense is horrendous. Horrendous. Look, even if they're on the two-yard line, Buffalo's getting three points in that scenario. And John Harbaugh knows that better than anyone. I like the courage. I like the fact that he's using data to back up his decisions, and he has the confidence to make that choice knowing that it might be tough in the press conference after the game. That said, in the last year and this, he's made a lot of what would be described as the aggressive decisions and generally, they've lost every one of those games. It happened last year. They went for two a couple of times. I don't think any of them were the wrong thing to do. But at some point, one of them has to go his way. Right. And the Ravens are in some trouble here right now. Okay, that's my take on this. But right now, I've given you a lot of takes. It's time for yours. time for you to be a part of Greenie Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Your hot takes at 888-SAY-ESPN. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Bubba, who's first up? We're going to start with Jason. All right, Jason, you're on ESPN Radio. Give me a hot take, Jason. Go. Hey, boys. Yeah, Harbaugh can make that mistake once in a while, but Brandon Staley can't. This guy is miserable. He's not a head coach. He was brought in there to help the defense. They're getting run all over the place. He is holding a talented roster, maybe the top three, top top half roster in the entire league. Because of him, they might not even make the damn playoffs, and that is an absolute travesty. Brandon Bailey has to go. I, I'm I am not a Brandon Staley fan. I will I have been critical of him. I hate all of the analytic stuff that he does. I hate all the times that he goes for it on fourth down, and I hated that he left Justin Herbert in the game last week. 
That said, they won yesterday. A caller, uh, they won yesterday without Keenan Allen. And that was a game 34-24 does not tell the story of how close that game wasn't. They had a huge lead. Now, he's right. They almost let the Texans all the way back in that game. I agree. Generally speaking, I like the hot take, and I appreciate the call. I'm not a Brandon Staley fan. No, I know you're not. Before the season, a lot of people thought the Chargers could win that division. The Chiefs were absolutely going to win that division. I'm, I agree with the caller. Chargers probably ain't making the playoffs with all those injuries. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Who's next, Bubba? Next, we have Christian. Christian, you're on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Give me a hot take, Christian. Go. Jameis Winston lost his job to Andy Dalton yesterday, and the Saints will win the NFC South with, with as bad as our division. Because if there's one team that has the Bucks number, it's the Saints. All right, so the Saints, who lost yesterday in London to Minnesota, playing without their quarterback, <coughs> Jameis Winston, who has not played well this year anyway, and they're playing without Mike Thomas. Yesterday might not be, a, and, and the London games are always a little weird, so yesterday might not be a real representation. The one thing that he said that is obviously true is that they have had the Bucks number. That said, if you watch the first quarter of the season, how do you not emerge saying Tampa's going to wind up being way better than them? For sure. Tampa's going to be way better than them. But I actually would be encouraged if I was a Saints fan, having watched that game without Jameis, without Thomas, and without Alvin Kamara. They had a kick in the air to tie it at the very end. That team might well make the playoffs, and Andy Dalton might be better equipped to lead them there than Jameis wins. We'll see. I mean, I had a lot of hope in for Jameis and for his sake that he would have a big year and sort of bounce back and prove it. So far, it hasn't looked that way. Let's see where it goes from here. What I'm learning about Jameis Winston this year is that Sean Payton was very good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> That's perhaps true. And, and, and he was good at his job when Drew Brees was his quarterback, too. Uh, Bubba, who's next? Let's go to Scott. Scott, you're on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Scott, give me a hot take. Love your work, Greeny. Thank you. 33 short days ago, many people were talking about the Colts as having an outside chance of surprising people and getting to the Super Bowl. They do not have a good quarterback. They do not have a wide threat. They do have a good running back. They have a horrible defense, and they've got a comic strip for a coach. They've played three games in the AFC South, and they've yet to get a win. Yikes. That's fair. I mean, they, they, they tied with Houston. Who is otherwise well? Who is winless? Um, they beat Kansas City. Th- th- that might be, and you're right. The Colts are by far the biggest disappointment in the NFL. I mean, no one's even close. They're terrible. I mean, they're awful. They stink on ice. And for the life of me, I don't understand how. Why is their offensive line so bad? Their offensive line is supposed to be good. They're horrendous. Ryan. I hate to say it. Look, I like Matt Ryan. I've always liked him. He's had a terrific career. It looks completely over there. Jonathan Taylor remains an elite player, but he can't do it by himself. That defense hasn't been as good as you thought they would be. They've been a There's no one even close to being as disappointing as they are, and people are way down on the coach. Frank Reich, who was like everyone's darling not so long ago, everyone is way down on the coach. Uh, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubs, let's keep I like these. Give me another hot take. Let's go to Rob. All right, Rob, you're on ESPN Radio. Give me a hot take, Rob. Go. Pete Carroll, the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch. These are the people that hid the mask of Russell Wilson. Now he's in Denver. This is who he is. He's been unmasked. He's a fraud. He's been the most overhyped, overmarketed, overloved quarterback in history. That's a really interesting take. I mean, here, here's what is... Russell Wilson is a person who has a lot. He creates a lot of strong opinions. People feel very strongly one way or the other. 
I think it inarguably has started badly for him in Denver. I, I know they're 2-2. Two and two. They have the two worst wins of all time. Like, <laughs> they won two games in which their offense was booed off the field. And here's the other thing, and Rex said it. Geno Smith right now is playing better than Russell is. Their offense looks better. Geno Smith is playing great. No one is paying attention. No one is paying attention to what they're doing in Seattle because we assumed they were going to be a terrible team this year. They traded away Russell. We assume they're starting over again. DK Metcalf almost made a mess of himself on the field yesterday in ways that I don't feel like describing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you know, you know. But anyway, Geno Smith is playing great. And Geno Smith, who is best remembered, unfortunately, with the Jets for being having his jaw broken by his own teammate in a locker room fight and, and having been just a, a disaster with the Jets as a second-round pick. And, and then I, I think we all thought his lot in life was to be a journeyman, and it probably still is. But through four games, it's impossible not to say he's playing pretty well. Geno Smith is playing pretty well in Seattle, and no one is noticing. Well, he leads the NFL in completion percentage. And if we're going to do the whole was it Bill or was it Brady thing, well, we can do the was it Russ or was it Pete Carroll thing. That's the only coach he's ever known. He enjoyed enormous success in those 10 years. The Seahawks were seemingly willing to give him away at the end of last season. Didn't get as much in return as a lot of us thought. Maybe there was a reason for it. Well, I'll take it a step farther. I don't know that it was Pete as much as it was their defense Mm. and some of the other players. I mean, I don't think Pete Carroll made Russell Wilson great. I think Pete Carroll built a team and wanted to win in such a way that masked whatever Russell Wilson's deficiencies are. And I, I'm, not, I'm not even comfortable being the one saying this yet. Let me be clear. The caller said it, and I'm with it, and there are a lot of other people who say it. I still am a believer that Russell Wilson is a good player. Maybe not a great player, but a very good player. I mean, very good is still a good thing to have. You can be a very good player and not be Aaron Rodgers. Now, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not, he's not that. But he can still be a very good player, and I'm still not willing to say that I'm certain he's not. What I'm saying is he is discussed as a presumptive Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm not sure he's a presumptive Hall of Fame quarterback if he's just, eh, in his second act. He's a fairly young player by quarterback standards still. So far, all we've seen from him in Denver has been dreadful, and Seattle's way better offensively. Seattle ranks second in offensive efficiency right now. They were never that good on offense for any stretch under Russell Wilson. So are you saying you think that Wilson is being exposed You think he's being exposed right now. The confluence of events where he is and where he is not indicates through one month that there's more to the story than we may have thought. That's all I'm saying. I think that's an interesting take. I I like it a lot. All right, let's make those the calls. Thank you very much. I I love and appreciate all the calls and all the hot takes we get every week. I really really enjoy them, and those are all really good and interesting and thought-provoking takes which is exactly what they are supposed to be. Um, the, the weekend will finish tonight, Monday Night Football. Our preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. It's easy to bundle your home and car insurance at Progressive.com. Rams, Niners, by way of preview, I'm going to give you my pick on tonight's game. Uh, give me some numbers. What is it? What is the line tonight? Right, right now, San Francisco at home is a point-and-a-half favorite over the Rams. And right now, as we speak, two-thirds of the public is on L.A. with the point spread. Two-thirds of the public is Rams plus one and a half. I, I think I like... So my, how did I do on my picks this weekend, by the way, Bubba? By going the opposite. One, one, and one. There was one, a, one, and one. There yeah. was one game that was a push. They pushed game, on yeah. the Buffalo game, yep. The Buffalo game was a push. The game I lost was Tampa, Correct. right? Yeah, and then what was the game I won? 
You won the uh, Eagles game. Packers. Oh, I'm sorry, Nuno. You took Eagles, uh, Eagles. plus uh, minus six and a half. Well, I will give Patriots Packers, I'll give the credit to Fortinball. Yeah. That was a great pick by him. If you were not with us on Friday, Joe Fortinball, our gambling analyst, made an outstanding point. He said, that is a game. Now, it didn't turn out to be as low scoring as we thought. But it had, I believe he said it was the lowest total, the lowest over-under of the season so far. That in a game that was going to be that low scoring, to get nine and a half points in a game that you only figured 40 points to be scored in was too many, and he was right. And in the end, the Patriots wound up losing by three, and they were never in danger of being blown out in that game, even without their quarterback. That said, Bailey Zappi should continue to be their quarterback until Mac Jones comes back. They're not better with Brian Hoyer than they are with Bailey Zappi. I think I saw things in Bailey Zappi I kind of like. I think if Bailey Zappi's name was Bailey Smith, you would not be saying his name as much. Well, here's that's probably right. You like saying right. Bailey Zappi. Who doesn't like saying Bailey Zappi? And let me put it: if my last name was Zappi, I would definitely have named my kid something that ended with that constant, with that, <laughs> with that sound, an e sound. Bailey Zappi, having both names end in a y, or at least a sound. It, his, his last name doesn't actually end in y, but it sounds like y. Look, I know Bailey Zappi because he was a a quarterback who was drafted this past year. I studied him because there was a chance he would go in the first three rounds. He didn't. So I didn't get to say Bailey Zappi on the actual telecast of the draft. But I know how prolific his college numbers were. And he's look far more surprising things have happened than him turning out to be a really good player. Like, I don't know, Tom Brady turning out to be the greatest quarterback of all time. The Patriots actually drafted Zappi earlier than they drafted Brady. So he may wind up being good. Either way, I like the Niners tonight. I, 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 I like San Francisco tonight. And then that will set up a really interesting little scenario. The Cowboys get the Rams next week on a short week. Who's the quarterback for Dallas going to be? Will it be Cooper Rush? Could they possibly find themselves with a quarterback controversy in Big D? I don't know. All I really know is that I got to say my favorite seven words in sports yesterday. And those seven words are J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And so long as I can say those seven words, then as far as I'm concerned, everything else is fine. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.